Get your Bibles, please, and go back to Psalms 51. Psalms 51, and we're going to read verses 1 through 12. Psalm 51, verse 1 through 12. The message today is finding joy in our salvation. Finding joy in our salvation. We're in our series, Back to the Basics, and in Sunday school class, hopefully today, uh, in your Sunday school class, they talked a little bit about salvation, and we're trying to uh, match the Sunday school lesson with the sermon to try to make sure that everybody understands that heaven is a place that you want to go. All right, I hope I didn't lose you there. Heaven is a place you want to go. Hell's a place you want to avoid. Amen. Salvation is free. It's by grace through faith. Amen. And so we're talking about uh, salvation in class. So Psalms chapter number 51, verse 1. David is talking. He says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me throughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. And I like this part, what David says. He says, make me to hear joy and gladness. The bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Let's read verse 11 and 12 together. Verse 11, ready to begin. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. I am so excited. I cannot wait to eat pie tonight. I can't wait to have some pie. How many of you can't wait for pie tonight? Mm, Hallelujah. You better come to church. It's going to be gone quick. Amen. Have you ever taken a bite of a piece of pie or maybe some other baked good? And once it got into your mouth, you realized that just something doesn't taste right. Has it ever happened to you? Maybe somebody messed something up. Something's missing. Not enough salt. Not enough sugar. Perhaps you're eating diet pie today. And it tastes like sawdust, amen? Ingredients are important to a pie. Can I get an amen on that? You got to have sugar. You got to have salt. You got to have butter. Amen. Put bacon in there. Ingredients are important. And just like salt and sugar are important to a pie, joy is important. It's an important ingredient to the Christian life. If you're living your Christian life with no joy, You're missing an important ingredient. May I encourage you today, and I hope this will resonate with you. Joy can be restored. Look at verse 12. David said, after this terrible thing that he did, we'll talk more about that, but after this terrible thing that he did, and after many terrible things that happened to him, he prays to God, restore unto me the joy. Joy can be restored. And so today, no matter what you're going through, through the power of God in your life, joy can be restored again. Father, we need your help today. Thank you, Lord, for salvation. Thank you, Lord, that you died on the cross for my sin. My sin was too great for me. There was nothing I could do about it. 
Thank you, Lord, that I'm saved today, and I know it. Thank you, Lord, for those in the room today that know it. I pray, Lord, for the one, the two, maybe watching online today who don't know for sure that heaven is their home. God, I pray before the day is over that that would be the one thing that they get taken care of. They know for sure heaven's their home. I pray that they would call upon you for salvation. I pray for those of us that are saved today. Lord, we need joy. And so, Lord, I pray if there's anyone here lacking joy in their life, that you would help them to restore that joy. I pray for those that are on the mountaintop, spiritually speaking. Help us to retain that joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. How do we restore the joy of our salvation? That's what the message is all about today. I don't know about you, but I want to have a life that no matter what circumstances I'm facing, my life radiates the joy of my salvation. It doesn't mean that you don't go through things, and it doesn't mean that you don't grieve, and it doesn't mean that tears don't come down your face. That's not what it means. But you can still rejoice, and you can still have joy in your salvation. David asks in verse 12, he asks of God, restore this joy. But I also see other key things that David says that helps him, helped him to restore that joy. And so what did David do? What are some things that David did to restore that joy. So today I want to give you several key things, four key things today that will help us to either restore or retain our joy. And how many want to have a life filled with joy? All right, only half of you. Let me ask the question again. Get your arm ready. Get it loosened up. Ready? Crack your neck a little. How many want to have a life that radiates joy? All right, about three quarters of you there. The other quarter just don't want to raise their hand. That's all right. All right, we'll move on. Let me give you four quick things today. Number one, if we want to have our joy restored or retained, we do that through remembering. Through remembering. Look at what David says in verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. How about this today? Let's all take a deep breath. Ready? One, two, three. Remember something this morning, that God loves you. That ought to put a smile on your face. Why don't you say that? God loves me. Say it again. Now say it like you mean it. God loves you. I said God loves you. He has mercy on us. He's blotted out our transgressions. God is merciful. God is gracious. God is long-suffering. If that doesn't put a smile on your face, I don't know what will. Oh, remember that today, that God is merciful. Don't forget, God loves you. Psalms chapter 25, verse 6 and 7. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindness, for they have ever been of old. Remember not the sins of my youth, and nor my transgressions according to thy mercy. Remember thou me for thy goodness sake. O Lord, we need to remember that God remembers his promises. Amen? We need to remember that God doesn't remember our sin. Oh, remember these things. Ephesians chapter number 2, verse 4 and 5. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us. That means made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved. So many people in the world today, their hearts are filled with questions, filled with fear, filled with doubt. Is God real? Does God love me? Does God care about me? Does he have my best interest in mind? Is there really a heaven? Is there a purpose in life? Where did I come from? Where am I going? If you're saved today, all those questions have been answered for you. I said, if you're saved today, 
All those questions have been answered for you. And all God's people said, amen. We remember our salvation. So take a deep breath again. Ready? One, two, three. Ah, you're saved today. So smile. God loves you. How many sometimes you feel guilty? How many feel like, man, I messed up? God loves you. He has mercy on you. He's long-suffering towards you. If you're lacking joy today, remember the fact that God loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Hey, may I just encourage you today that joy can be restored. Joy can be retained when we remember our salvation, when we remember God's love, his grace, his long-suffering, his goodness. Hey, do you remember who you were before you met Christ? Brother Padillo shared with us today, we wouldn't recognize him. And, and I know in my testimony, I was a church kid, uh, you know, growing up. So I, I, I didn't have, you know, a lot of outward things that people say, wow, what's going on with him? But boy, in my heart, I was so proud, so much sin. I thought I was good enough. Do you remember who you were before you got saved? How many remember those days? How many remember when you trusted Christ, that weight of sin and guilt taken off of you? That ought to put a smile on your face. That ought to bring joy back to your heart. Hey, we're so worried about this thing and we're so worried about that thing. Hey, let's think back to when we got saved. And that ought to put a smile on our face. So the first thing I see is remember. The second thing I see here, if we want our joy to be restored, we see we can do that through repentance. Notice what David did. Look at verse 2. He said, wash me. Wash me throughly from my iniquity and cleanse me of my sin. I acknowledge my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only have I sinned, done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Let me just remind us today that God is always clear when he judges. God never makes a mistake when he judges. And when he speaks, it's always in clarity. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Then he says this, make me to hear joy and gladness. What David was doing here was he's repenting. And by the way, he found the secret to restoring his joy through repentance. I said through repentance. You can read the story later of why David wrote Psalm 51. David wrote Psalm 51 because of 2 Samuel chapter 11. When he was standing on his rooftop and he saw a woman and he lusted after her, had a relationship with her, ended up uh, outside of marriage having a child with that woman, uh, and then having her husband killed to cover his tracks. Adultery, murder. These are the great sins that that David uh, did. And David uh, was uh, realized later that he had sinned against the Lord. But go to your Bibles. I want to show you something interesting. Go to 2 Samuel chapter number 12. So one chapter after 2 Samuel chapter 11. Go there quick. 2 Samuel chapter number 12. Go there quickly. What happens to David after he commits this great sin? What happens? Look at verse 1 of 2 Samuel chapter 12. And the Lord sent Nathan... To David. And he came to him and said unto him, and he gives him this story. There's two men, one rich, one poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds. The poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished up. And it grew together with him and with his children. He did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom. It was unto him as a daughter. This was a very special lamb. 
Verse 4, And there came a traveler to the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd, for to dress it for the wayfaring man which had come unto him. So what did he do? He took the poor man's lamb, and he dressed it for the man that was come unto him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against this man, this fictitious man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. That was a a bad move. Verse 6, And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he had done this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan pointed his bony finger at him and said, David, thou art the man. We have no idea how long it was after Nathan pointed his finger at David and said, it was you, bud, to when David wrote Psalm 51. We don't know. But we know this. David repented. Was it after that child that was conceived in that relationship? Was it after that child died that David wrote this? I'm sure you might be able to find it, figure it out, but I, I just wonder how, how far David went before he repented. But I, may I say this morning that he realized that He cannot remain in this sin and have joy in his life. And I say to you today, partly because of what the Bible says, partly because of personal experience, you cannot hide sin from God. And all God's people said, why do we try? We cannot hide sin from God. And while we are trying to hide sin from God, it is impossible for us to experience joy. You can't experience joy when you're in sin. David says, wash me throughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. I acknowledge my transgression. My sin is ever before me. I think a lot of Christians today are walking around trying to pretend like they're not sinning, trying to pretend like they don't have something between them and God. And we're so concerned about what other people think about us and what other people might say about us. And listen, yes, it's true. We we don't want to be ashamed and we don't want people to know the things that we do. But God has a front seat to the door of our hearts and God sees what we think about and God knows what we do. We cannot hide ourselves from him. He is the one that gives joy. So how am I supposed to have joy in my life when I'm offending the one who gives me joy? Pie brings joy. And all God's people said, but you eat a piece of pie and it's over. God is the only one who gives us that joy. We must remember that the source of our joy is from the Lord. We cannot hide our sin from the Lord. David says, behold, thou desirest truth in the inward part. Inside of us, he says, purge me with hyssop. And I shall be clean. If we, want to, if we want our joy to be restored, if we want our joy to remain, very simply today, we must confess our sins. Not to a priest. Somebody say amen. amen. I said not to a priest. The Bible says that we can confess our sins to the Father. There's only one mediator between God and man, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. We can confess our sin. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I typed in uh, the other day, I was looking for illustrations on confessing sin and just researching for the message. So I typed something into Google about confession. And so this, this article pops up. It's like, what to do when you don't want to go back to confession? And I thought, thank the Lord I can take my confession straight to Him. I don't have to sit in a phone booth and talk to somebody about it. Somebody help me now. That's not in the Bible, by the way, if you're struggling with that. We could take our confession straight to Christ and say, God, I'm so sorry. I confess my sin before you. Unless you think that I'm not a sinner, I sin this week just like you. And I can take my sin to God and say, God, I'm sorry. I confess that sin. Restore my joy. 
Pastor, what do I do about recurring sin? What do I do about things like addiction? I confess my sin, and then I go right back to it. What do I do? Well, I want to just say three things about that quickly. First, you must and I must realize that any sin will kill your joy. Somebody say amen this morning. Any sin. Sin will kill your joy, whether it's recurring or not. When, when we sin, when we do sin, we know that we've broken God's law. We've broken God's heart. With sin comes guilt, comes shame, comes physical and mental and spiritual consequences. And all God's people said, amen. That's what sin does. So whether it's recurring or not, all sin kills joy. Secondly, we must realize that God is loving. God is merciful. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. That doesn't give us a driver's license to sin. Amen. Paul said, because of grace, should we continue in sin? God forbid. But where we do sin, grace does abound. And all God's people said, hey, we sing that, we say that, but we don't believe that. Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace freely bestowed on all who believe. We sing these things, but we don't believe it. Hey, believe it today. Even though you sin and you have a recurring sin, there is grace for that sin. Did I lose some of you there? I said, there's grace for that sin. You say, but I, I sinned and then I confessed it and I, and I, and I sinned again. And, and what do I do? Listen, understand that God loves you and he has mercy on you. It doesn't mean there's not consequences, but he does love you. And he, and he has mercy and he has grace. So we understand that it kills our joy. We understand that there's grace. So what do we do? We understand there's long-term consequences. So how do we restore the joy? Take your Bibles and go to Proverbs chapter number 28. Maybe you're struggling with this today. Go to Proverbs 28. I want to try to help somebody. This has been a help in my life. Proverbs chapter number 28. Look at verse 13. He that covereth his sins shall not what? Are you with me? He that covereth his sins shall not what? Trying to cover your sin is not going to work. Trying to, trying to hide your sin is not going to work. But whoso what? Confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. You say, what do I do about that re recurring sin? We must confess it. And God's interested in our hearts. Are we truly repentant when we confess? God, I'm so sorry. I know you're ashamed of me. I'm ashamed of myself. Would you forgive me of that recurring sin? God's interested in your hearts. Did I lose some of you there? He's interested in our hearts. But also there's another step that we need to take. What's that? Forsake it. You say, Pastor, I've tried that. Didn't work. I've tried to forsake it. I've tried to keep from falling. I've tried all these things. What do I do? Here's the goal in our life. The goal in our life is to get to the point where we can forsake that sin. And may I encourage you today that because of grace, because of grace, because of grace in our life, we can have victory through Christ. We can have victory over sin through Christ. It is possible for you to get over that sin in your life. As somebody ought to say amen this morning, because I don't know about you, but I've had sin in my life that I've gotten over in my life through Christ, through sin. You say, how do I do that? How do I forsake that sin? You see, Christ gives us the grace and he gives us the power to forsake any addiction, any appetite, any habit. You can do it through Christ. You can have victory through him. Say, so how do I forsake that sin? Well, here's the thing. When you repent from sin, what that means is you're going to do everything in your power to forsake that sin. You see, some of us, we repent of our sins, sort of. How many of you, when you were younger, you went to a youth camp or you went to youth conference 
and you burned things at those places, or you threw things in the trash after youth conference. Anybody? Only two of us? No, three, four of us? How many of you have ever thrown anything away because of a youth camp? Man, you're a bunch of, bunch of people aren't sinners in here, amen? And I remember when I was in camp, I'd come home and I'd have to throw stuff away. You know what I'm talking about? I remember one particular year, I went to camp, and, and boy, I got right with the Lord, and I came back, and I threw everything away except for one thing. It's amazing to me that I went back and did, you know, I had that one thing that I had. Why? I didn't get rid of it. I didn't forsake it. When I was teaching the uh, couples class, maybe about 10 years ago, had this sweet couple in my class, and they were just getting their life back together and getting right with the Lord, and a lot of good things happening. And uh, he came to me in class one, one day, and he said, Pastor, he said, I gotta, you got to help me with something. I wasn't a pastor back then. I was a teacher, Brother Dilzo. He said, Brother Dilzo, can you help me? I said, whatever, man. What, I can do whatever, I'll do whatever I can to help you. He said, I'm going to bring you something, and I need you to get rid of it for me. I'm thinking, oh, Lord, help me. What is it? What am I getting rid of? He's going to bring me a pile of drugs. What's going on here? And so, but I was ready to help him. And so I'll never forget at church, after church, he came up to me, to the car there, and he had this box. And in the box was probably 100 Iron Maiden CDs. Iron Maiden, he said, what's Iron Maiden? I guess it's a rock group. I don't know. Ask my dad. He'll tell you all about it. Anyway. And he handed me this box. He said, can you throw this away from me? He said, I can't do it. He said, I just can't do it. I can't bring myself to throw it away. And he walked away, and, and I threw it in the trash. It wasn't a big deal for me. But for him, he was forsaking it. Hundreds of dollars. Hundreds of dollars. All these, back then, you had to buy music on a CD. And if you threw it away, you didn't have it anymore. <laughs> and so he, I threw it away. He was forsaking it. What do you need to forsake in your life? Say, I'm having a problem with this sin. Who do you need to talk to? Who do you need accountability from? Who do you need to talk to about your cell phone? Who do you need to talk to about your computer? Who do you need to talk to about that relationship that you shouldn't be in? Who can help you with that? I'm just simply saying we, we have recurring sins and we, we don't have joy in our life. And listen, when you're in that cycle of sin, there's no joy there. And yes, you confess it. God, I'm so sorry. And you're racked with sin and you're racked with guilt. But yet we're not doing anything about that sin. Forsake it. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Confess it and forsake it. I'm trying to help somebody. I don't know who, but I'm trying to help somebody today because I want you to have joy in your life. And you'll only have joy in your life when you get rid of all that sin. Now, let me just say this. We all sin every day. And all God's people said, you're a sinner. That's your flesh, but you don't have to hide it. Confess it and forsake it. Let me give you number three today. We can have joy again through remembering, through repentance. Thirdly, through renewal. Through renewal, David said, verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit. Let's read this verse together. Ready to begin. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit. All right, that was about half the crowd. Let's all say it together. Ready to begin. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Have you, how many of you have ever been? Now, I'm not talking about glamping. How many have ever been camping? I'm talking about... You know, three days in the wilderness, no proper shower. You're not, you know, you, you get home and literally your clothes are crusty. You know what I'm talking about? You come home, you smell like fish, and you didn't even go fishing. <laughs> you come home, I mean, you got dirt under your nails, and, and you, you got it's, you know, the dust and the dirt. And, and how many know what I'm talking about? Camping. That's real camping, amen? What's the first thing you do when you get home from that trip? Take a shower. A long, really hot shower. 
and you use an entire bottle of soap and you get yourself cleaned up. You scrub yourself and you scrub yourself and then you come out of there and it's like, oh, hallelujah. You know, you come out of there and you're, you're completely clean again. That's what David is saying, verse 7. Look what he says. Purge me with hyssop. Hyssop was a plant that they would use back in the Bible times. They would agitate the plant. It would turn to soap and they would use that to clean things. Uh, and so David, what he's saying here, he's saying, God, will you scrub me up? Will you scrub me clean? Will you create within me a new heart? And may I say, for those of us today that go through this world, doesn't the world just kind of make you feel like dirt sometimes? You go to work and you hear the cussing and you hear the music and you go on social media and you see what people are doing. And then, you, you, you know, you're driving down the street, and you see the billboards and you, you see stuff and you come home and you just feel that dirt and that filth and that stuff. What do we need? What do we need to renew a right spirit? In us? I'll tell you what we need. We need a good old fashioned scrub down with the word of God. Amen. How shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Listen, church family, you're not going to get that scrubbed down by reading one daily, you know, one, you know, our daily bread. You're not going to get that scrubbed down by praying for your breakfast in the morning. You're going to get that scrubbed down by spending some time with God in his word. And I need it and you need it. And I want to have that, that right spirit renewed in me. I'm talking about some serious time with God. I'm talking about soaking in the word of God. I'm talking about the dirt removing power of the Bible. And yes, I know sometimes we feel dirty and we feel those things of the world and we overcomplicate it. All we need to do is spend some time with God. Say, God, renew that right spirit. Renew that right spirit. Renew that right spirit in me. Oh, there's good news today. Joy can be restored. Aren't you thankful for that? When you lose your joy, it can be restored. It's possible. How do we restore that joy? Through remembering, through repentance, through renewal. Then lastly today, and I love this part, by remaining. By remaining. Now, I notice David says something interesting here, and it caught my attention. Look at verse number 11 of Psalms, back in Psalms 51. Notice what he says, verse 11. What's the first word? Cast. He says, cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Doctrinally, if you go and you understand this, the Old Testament saints did not have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would come upon them and they would do incredible things. I think about like Samson, the Holy Spirit would come upon him and give him the strength to do what he needed to do and so on and so forth. But for the New Testament believer, for you and for me, the Spirit of truth has come. Acts chapter number two, when the Spirit came, when you accept Christ as your Savior, when you pray like my five-year-old son Callum did on Saturday when he accepted Christ as his Savior, amen, he needed to get saved, trust me. Anyway, he's, when that happened, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes inside and indwells in you. Not after you speak in tongues, amen. Come on now, we could have a Bible study in 2 Corinthians, not after we do a, some kind of whatever, the Holy Spirit indwells us immediately. As soon as we call upon Him, we believe in Him. We're indwelled by the Holy Spirit. Take your Bibles and go to John chapter number 6. So in this light, as you're turning to John 6, David prays, and he's, he's worried about this sin that he's done. He's asking God to cleanse him. He says, cast me not from your presence. He doesn't want God to kick him to the curb. What happens to the New Testament believer when they sin? Look at John chapter number 6. Look at verse 35. John 6, 35 says, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall what? Never hunger. Okay? Notice next. He that believeth on me shall what? Never thirst. But I said unto you that 
ye have, ye have seen me and believe not. Verse 37, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that, uh, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise. What's the next word? Cast out. Cast out. You see, David was worried about being cast from the presence of the Lord. But for the New Testament believer, we don't have to worry about that. That ought to bring a smile to your face. You might be here today, you might feel very far from the Lord. You might feel far from the Lord, but the Bible says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He's right there. He is with you today. And so today, we just need to remain in his presence. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you don't need to worry about being cast out. The Bible tells us we are sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. We are His workmanship, joint heirs with Christ. We are the body of Christ, and He is the head. You are the bride of Christ, and He is the groom. David had a hard time comprehending this, but we that are saved in Christ, we understand this morning we are secure in Him. We are safe in the arms of Christ. He will never leave us. He will never cast us away. It's up to us to remain in His presence. Say, what do you mean? Let me close with this illustration. You understand today that you can be related to someone and not have a relationship with them? Perhaps you parents of teenagers, <laughs> especially you parents that have boys. They grow up teenagers or, or maybe they're young adults. How many of you mothers have ever thought, I just wish my son would call me more? They grow up and they get independent. What do you mean? You're not talking about me. You're talking about Trevor, right? <laughs> Trevor's my brother. I, call, I see you all the time. Every, no, I'm just kidding. What happens when your son turns 16? He just wants to spend time with you. He just wants to hang out with you. When he turns 16, it's all about you, Dad. It's all about you, Mom. And he just wants to spend No, no. He wants to be in his room. He wants to go spend time with his friends or she or whatever. And it's natural. You know, we, get, we grow old. I, I tell young men all the time, 17, 18 years old, I said, watch out. These couple years, God's preparing you to leave the home and go get married and start your own life. That's something that God does naturally in us, by the way. Somebody say amen. amen. It's not natural for a 35-year-old to live at home. Amen. In his parents' basement. Unless you live in California, then it's necessary. But anyway, God provide, God does that. But but here's the thing, our, our young people, our, our, our teenagers, they, they grow up and they start becoming independent. And, and sometimes, I don't know, sometimes it feels like you're strangers in the same house. You're related. Boy, they like to spend your money, but they don't ever come by to say hi. They, you parents, you remember those days when the kids were small? You grandparents, you have little, little grandkids. Remember when they were small? They just kind of wander over and kind of get up in your lap. They don't have an agenda. They're not going to ask for money. And they're not going to tell you that, you know, they have a boyfriend now and you need to meet him. They're just sitting in your lap because they love you. Because they want to spend time with you. They want to feel your presence. Every morning, my wife and I kind of laugh about it, but every morning, all four of our boys come into our bedroom at some point. The first one that comes in is Gavin, like clockwork, 6.30 every morning. Whether we want him to or not, the door flies open and he just kind of moseys in. Comes walking in, gets in our bed. A few minutes later, maybe 10, 15 minutes later, here comes Callum. Bedhead, you know, got a little blanket, comes walking in, gets in our bed. We're drinking coffee by this point. A few minutes later, maybe 30 minutes later, here comes Max, if you can get him out of bed. But here comes Max, and he comes moseying into our room. And then maybe a little bit later, here comes the teenager. He comes moseying in. Why? Why do they come in there? Because they want to see us. They want to make sure that mom and dad are still there. They want to spend time with us. Why? 
They want to be in our presence. Why does a child want to be in the presence of their parents? Because it brings security. It brings safety. It helps them to feel loved, cared for. It brings joy. It brings joy. Are you living in the same house as God, but never go by to see Him? Never pull out the Bible and read and never spend time in prayer? Are we like that teenager? Yeah, we, we get God on the phone when we need something, but we don't want to spend time with Him. May I just say today, if you want to have, if you want to have that ingredient of joy, remain in His presence. I said remain in His presence. Amen. Spend time with Him. You spend time with God. Think about Moses. He was up on that mountain 40 days. And what did they say when he came down from that? What did it say? His face, what? It shone. And listen, when you spend time with God, I, was, I came out here soul winning yesterday, and, and I had kind of a rough morning. We thought that our septic system was overflowing yesterday morning. That's not a good day. Anyway, and so I got up yesterday. It was kind of rough, you know, the, getting, trying to get the family out to go soul winning. And we were like, man, can't use the shower, you know, and, and can't brush your teeth because the, the septic is overflowing. And, and so we're getting up, and, and, and it was kind of a rough. And I got to church, and I had a lot on my mind yesterday morning. And uh, I got here probably about 9.50, 9.45. I got out of my car, and I walked out, and I had this, you know, I could tell that I had that look on my face like my septic system is overflowing. Does anybody else know what I'm talking about? And I'm just like, you know, man, I got to fix this thing before tomorrow because I have to take a shower before church tomorrow. And so I'm getting all this stuff together and, and, I, and I walk out and there's Brother Gayona, our Spanish pastor. He's over there. He's over there walking in the playground and he looks at me and he goes, Pastor! And he waves at me. And I, and I go, hey, brother, you know, hey, you know, turn on the charm. Hey, hey, good to see you, brother. And he goes, and here's what he said to me. He goes, Pastor. He goes, beautiful heart, beautiful face. I said, you turkey, you take that. <laughs> beautiful heart, beautiful face. And I don't know if he was trying to tell me to smile or what. I don't know what he's trying to say. But I know what God was trying to say to me. When you spend time with the Lord, when you spend time in his presence, brings joy. Brings joy. So today, in the, in the spirit of getting back to the basics, may we get back to finding the joy of our salvation. Every head bowed and every eye closed today.